This conversation is brought to you in part by Produce Careers with promotional consideration from Calavo Growers and Volcano Produce. Hey, hi-ho, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever you're doing. I'm glad you're hanging out with us. Thrilled that you're checking us out. Thrilled you're hanging out. Thrilled you subscribe. Thrilled you follow us on social media. Because, you know, like I tell you, we're there because Kardashians are. That's why the only reason I'm there. And I do appreciate everybody being here and giving us your time and energy and support. I am excited to have my friend here today with me. I'm excited to talk about what the Bowery's doing. Please, everybody, pull over, put the car in park, put your hands together and clap. We appreciate that. Everybody, please welcome the Chief Commercial Officer from Bowery Farming, Katie Sewell. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here, and I'm looking forward to having a conversation. I appreciate that. I love when everybody says that in the beginning, and I only hope that you say that at the end. That's really the goal. It's like, great. We're after it. Yeah. I'm committed. I love it. I love it. I'm excited to talk about what you all are doing. You know, if you pay attention to space like I do, or you pay attention to produce itself, you see what's going on in the grocery store, you guys are out and about, you're causing waves, you're making a lot of noise. And I think it's fantastic. I can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to get some perspective from you and what you've been doing. But before we get going, if you wouldn't mind, would you just give everybody a little bit of a quick 411 of your journey and kind of your bio and, and how I roped you into hanging out with me today? Yes, I'd love to. So I am actually at Bowery for three and a half years, and I will I will get to the Bowery piece. But before Bowery, I was actually at Starbucks Coffee Company uh, for nearly 15 years in a variety of brands, marketing products, and retail operations roles. And I, I only bring up my Starbucks experience because it was so formative in how I started to think about the power of the public sector or private sector um, to do real good in the world. And anyone who knows the Starbucks story knows that Howard Schultz was a pioneer in the concept of the triple bottom line or however you want to talk about corporate social responsibility, that you can right. grow uh, a big business, uh, an iconic global brand and do good in the communities that you operate in as you're doing that. And that was really my education at Starbucks. I am mission-driven, driven. I love using the private sector for societal impact and good. And it was probably over five years ago now where my former CMO at Starbucks, actually, Sharon Rothstein is in private equity now. And she called me up and she's like, Katie, I know you'll probably never leave Starbucks. You'll never leave Seattle. But I just met the most amazing founder doing the most amazing things. And that was Irving Fain who's the founder and CEO of Bowery. And um, it, I had a, a great opportunity just to have a wide range of conversations with Irving, even before I was contemplating kind of a formal interviewing process with Bowery. Likewise for him, he hadn't even raised his Series B. And I was struck by the mission of the company and the vision that Irving had to transform a portion of the fresh food system. And again, if you take a step back and you look at some of the biggest challenges and opportunities we have today from a global perspective, from a domestic perspective, a lot of it intersects with food and the fresh food system. So whether yeah. that's how we're navigating climate change, whether that's how we're navigating global disruption on the geopolitical front. I mean, I don't think three years ago, four years ago, we would have been contemplating a global pandemic, uh, a Russian-Ukrainian war. So there's just a ton of volatility in terms of the world, and that's having a direct impact on access to food. Food safety is another one. Health, 
We've talked about this extensively. One in 10 U.S. adults get their daily requirements or recommended requirements of fruits and vegetables. So take a step back. Food plays at the heart or the intersection of all these challenges and opportunities. And I was super intrigued by what Bowery was doing and the vision that Irving had to really try and impact some of these societal challenges. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What, you know, and, and to go back a little bit to the Starbucks thing, but I'm going to lead up to my, next, my, my first question. I'm going to throw it at you. You were there at really almost to the point where like they lit the bottom of the rocket and it started to explode and it got off the launch pad and it's just like off it went because that brand in the, in the tenure of the time that you were there, I mean, it just, it, it went crazy. I mean, you guys were just rocking and rolling and that had to be a really interesting trajectory to be a part of when it comes to a global blend. Global blend. I need coffee to talk right. Global brand. So tell me a little bit, if you if you would, because you have that perspective of, of all those years from Starbucks and what that did and that in that trajectory up, compare and contrast some of the differences and similarities between the world of Starbucks and the world of produce. What surprises yeah, you maybe and might be? And there's both, right? Yeah. And I think the only kind of modification I would make to the Starbucks story, and you're right, when you take a look at the curve, it is it is upward. And it doesn't mean we didn't have challenging opportunities at Starbucks as well, right? So I would have been there in 08 when we had the crash and right. Starbucks was not immune to that. So I was very much part of understanding, you know, how the, the trajectory went with Starbucks when it was on this ascent, but we also did have to manage through some very challenging times in the business, which I think has served me well on the Bowery side. And we can talk about that. But when when I think of similarities, there's going to be a bit of a theme here that I probably pull through in our discussion. It is mission-driven companies. And yeah. I can't overstate how important I think mission is to a company and its ultimate, ultimate success. When people are clear and aligned on what the vision of the company is and are committed to it, it's amazing what can happen in terms of results, in terms of the talent you can recruit, in terms of the impact you can have. So there's real parallels there, despite the differences in size of the companies between Starbucks and Bowery. Uh, there is another comparison, which is founder-led and founder-driven, right? Mm. Through almost my entire tenure at Starbucks, Howard Schultz uh, was at the helm. There was a couple of exceptions when he stepped away and then came back. But working for a founder, I think, is very, very different. They are, this is their life's work, right? The company they are building, the passion, the commitment, the tenacity, the vision, um, how you partner with that in day in and day out, um, I think is definitely a different set of experiences. The other thing that I found really fascinating, and this is, again, stuff Irving and I were talking about, the brand component of what we're doing at Bowery is very transferable to some of the experience I had at Starbucks. Again, if you think about Starbucks, it took at one time what was a highly commoditized category, coffee, and turned it into an experience and a premium space that had a real connection in the hearts and minds of its customers. And we are very early on in our journey. It's uh, at Bowery, but that is our intention. And right. that was one of the things that was really interesting to me when I was thinking about taking on the role at Bowery was you take a step back, you look at food, you look at fresh food. It is a highly emotive category. 
consumers care deeply about this space. Yeah. Um, whether that's culture, whether that's health, whether that's family, whether that's wealth, wellness. I mean, these are big emotional things to connect with consumers on. Yet more times than not in produce, it is the retailer who has the halo effect on the quality of the fresh food program, right? That consumers right. go and patron. And so I think there's a real opportunity to kind of create a transformational brand in the produce space that connects in the hearts and minds with the consumers in a way that ne hasn't necessarily been done before. And that is one of the challenges that we're looking to tackle at Bowery. On the what's different side of things, I mean, there is no doubt that we are building the playbook at Bowery today, right? What we've done, what we're doing and what other, you know, controlled environment agriculture, other indoor vertical farms are doing has never been done at scale before. Nope. And so we are building it. And that is very different actually from my time at Starbucks when even though I was there for 15 years, the like the go-to-market playbook, the business model was well on its way to taking off and establishing proof of concept, right? And we mm -hmm. are very much in that process and in the early stages at Bowery. And I think one of the things that I had not fully appreciated and understood was how intense that journey is and kind of the weight you feel of building a company from the ground up and that it is absolutely true. It is not a linear progression. You take two steps forward, you take one step back and you have to find joy and energy in the process and not just the end result. 100%. And you know, I, I got to come alongside what you were talking about. I say this all the time. I believe this. Food is a morals and values decisions to consumers. And I think we have to remember that. And I think it's such a great, you know, people come into a store a lot of times with what I use the word intent. They intend on buying organic. They intend on buying local. They intend on buying peaches, whatever the case may be. And I think we have to capitalize on those intentions and speak to those intentions and guide those intentions in a different way. People don't go shopping. You know, look, I, I roll into Costco. God love them. I have zero investment emotionally in buying paper towels. I go to the back. That's where they are. They go in the buggy. Boom, I'm out. But when you're looking at peaches, you're looking at a salad. You're looking at an apple. You're looking at a pasta, whatever. That connection starts to come because it is your food. And I think we have to recognize that. And I think it's so powerful that you said that and you come from that perspective because I think that's how you win the day. I think we have to help people understand why eating is important. We've made it too convenient for people to think about it. And we're suffering through that, which is why I'm a big believer. We got to be working with the schools and get these kids learning about food right. and pushing the ball up the field. So I appreciate you saying that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And it's a great strategy. And I think it's a long game strategy, right? I really do. Thanks for joining the Toddversation. And now, a word from our sponsor. At Produce Careers, we are in the people business. Thanks for listening to Toddversations. As your trusted executive search firm for the fresh produce, food processing, and agribusiness industries, we focus on outcomes. With over 80 years of combined industry expertise, with our global networks, we have the tools and the skills to identify top talent for your organization's strategic hiring needs. Our relationship-driven approach and proven recruitment process deliver the right candidates at the right time. At Produce Careers, we know each hire is an investment. Whether you're looking for the perfect candidate or searching for your next challenge, call or email us today and let us partner with you.
No, it is. I mean, we're talking about transformation, right? We're talking about transformation in the food system. Uh, and it, it's not the sole solution, right? There's going to be many, many innovations and transformations that need to take place in the food system and the fresh food system to meet the needs of the moment and the future as the population right. continues to increase. You know, this is the stat you hear a lot in this space. The UN says that by 2050, the global population will reach 10 billion people. Yeah. We are going to have fewer resources to feed those people. We need to do it in a way that's better for their health, that's better for the health, for the environment. Um, and that's, that is the task, right? That is what we are all going after. And then I think it's real transformation individually too, in terms of how do we create opportunity for people to have access to better, more healthful choices 100%. in their daily lives. And I love, I love the momentum that food as medicine is getting. Um, the fact that it was, you know, the White House conference on hunger, health and nutrition, we have a national agenda or strategy on food for the first time in 50 years, mm -hmm. food is medicine played out heavily at that conference. I mean, for me, these are all real green shoots um, of where we are today and where we're going to go to actually make systemic change in the lives of people and the planet around food. 100%. And something we don't talk about and something I want to raise the bar on, and I'm going to continue. It's a big part of my conversation for 2023. You know, we talk about, oh, the weather did this, or, you know, we don't have water in California. And, and to me, those are all symptoms of something far greater. And I think what I'm trying to lean into where my head keeps coming around is that we need to be starting to have conversations around food security and what that means to us as a nation. And what is that going to look like? What happens if California breaks off and floats away, right? I mean, come on. I mean, obviously that's a little far-fetched, but nonetheless, mother nature is mother nature. The world is doing what the world's doing. We're certainly not doing anything to help it along, but it's certainly going to do what it's going to do as well. Food insecurity and food security is a topic I think needs to get more attention. And I think that, you know, what CEA is doing, in my opinion, helps elevate that conversation and puts it, I think, into uh, almost a clear lens for people to start that conversation around. I think it's incredibly important. That's right. I, I couldn't agree more with you, Todd. And if you look at the countries who historically have been ahead of the curve on food security, it is island type countries who've always right. been re who've always been dependent more on imports than exports. Uh, you look at Singapore, right? They are ahead of the curve on the food tech, ad, ag tech innovation. Uh, the Middle East is another example of that because they have felt the threat of food security before. And I think we are just beginning to understand in the U.S. that, that we need to take a more aggressive approach on that. I think circling back to what we were talking about earlier, global pandemic reinforced that. The geopolitical events that are happening reinforce that. I was actually in the audience on a panel in food tech last February where they were talking, um, venture capitalists were talking about food tech investment. And two of the three panelists came from, I think, this is directionally right, the national security team yeah. of Obama. And it's because they started to understand when they were in those roles that security wasn't just about military or defense. It was about food. Uh, and we need to start having those same conversations in the US yeah. for sure. 100%. We had this conversation yesterday. What, you know, the what if conversations? What if there was, you know, God forbid, a nuclear thing? What if there was a natural disaster? We're not prepared in this country to deal with that. 
They went fallout yeah. shelters. No food supply. I don't know how long you're going to last with what you got in the kitchen, right? What happens? There's yeah. no water, no grocery. It's real. And, and it's, I know it's hypothetical. And people say, oh, you know, it's never going to happen here in America, but it could. And we should be talking about it. We should be talking about how our food's going to come and where food's going to come, not over 2000 miles, but 20 blocks away. And what that actually means, you know, uh, I just think it's really important. So to me, food security, food insecurity, I think you have to have them both in the same sense because yeah. they go side by side. I think it's going to be a really important topic that I hope that we can generate conversation around in 2023 and keep the ball moving on. Because I think when you start talking about people are like, oh, shit, I didn't think about that. Like, no, I know you didn't. But think about it. Go out to your kitchen right now and say, that's all the food you have. And then figure out what you're going to do after that third, fourth, fifth day, whatever it is that you have and see what happens. It's, a, it's an interesting topic, an interesting self-evaluation about our food supply. Yeah. And I think as you as you talked about kind of 2023 and continuing to shine a light on that, I think we have some great natural platforms to drive those conversations forward. Right. You have the farm bill coming up for renewal. There will be a lot of conversation around that. Again, you will have outcomes coming from the White House conference where they're talking, you know, I think thinking through what's the best way to coordinate a national food strategy, because that's the other dynamic here. And Jose Andres, Chef Jose Andres did an amazing job talking about this at the conference, but how we think about food from a, from a domestic perspective is highly fragmented, right? There's kind of a department that owns a little bit of each of it, um, at least at the federal government level. So is there a way to get better integration um, better oversight on what our overall strategy is? And then even more importantly, how do we implement it in a way that impacts real change? 100%. You're preaching the choir, girl. I'm on your team. When are we starting? We get we, we got to make t-shirts, though. We need t-shirts. T-shirts? Yeah. We can I do so. t-shirts. T-shirts. That's maybe possible. A cool, t-shirts yeah. are possible. How about a handshake, though? I think we have a cool handshake. I mean, that's the thing now. I see the, it's like, we got to have a handshake, too. I'm okay. in for that. All right, done. All right. I love, we just started a club. People, if you want to join our club and work to change the world, talk about food insecurity and food security, you reach out to Katie and I, and we will talk with you because we know it's important. So let's keep it rolling. Come with ideas on a t-shirt and a handshake. I agree. We're done. Everybody can get out of the club. I love it. Let's share, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about what Bowery is because I think you guys are so unique. And, I, and you know, people like Bowery, and I don't, you know, if you're in New York, Bowery, it, you know, it means something, right? But if you're in Ohio, and I'm not being disrespectful of anybody in Ohio, but, you know, it's like, okay, Bowery, it's a cool name. But Bowery is synonymous with New York. It used to be quite the farmland back in the day because, you know, because your food only came 100 miles from where you lived at the very most in a lot of ways. Um, so first easy question, I throw a softball. What is Bowery farming? Yes. So Bowery Farming is an indoor vertical farming company. Um, as you mentioned, we're headquartered in New York. And it was actually the Bowery in New York that the Dutch settled. Right. many centuries ago and was the the open way to food like they were serving the broader community and giving access um to food for the broader new york area so that we thought there was real symbolism in the name bowery not just in terms of geographical location but what was going on in the geography at that time because we definitely even though our model and we've got an indoor vertical farming model so for those who aren't as familiar with it we are essentially building smart farms close to the cities we serve. Yeah, like right behind me. Yep, that's right. That's exactly what it looks like. So people can visualize it as I'm talking about it. But we are essentially building warehouses or refurbishing warehouses. And we are stacking our crops from floor to ceiling and using LED lights that mimic the spectrum of the sun. And kind of the heart of the Bowery um, 
operations is our operating system, our Bowery OS, and it integrates vision systems and sensors and uses all that data that it collects to both. And it's two things that it does most fundamentally. It organizes all the workflow and work tasks in the farm, and it controls every step of the growing process and environments for the plants. So it is a highly precise um, system that we've developed that we think creates an abundance of food that is high quality, nutritious, um, fresh. It's a fully vertically integrated system, right? So we are doing seeding to germination to growing to packing or to processing to packing all on site. You can walk the entirety of our supply chain in 20 minutes um, and we can harvest and get to store shelf in about 48, 72 hours. Uh, and we think there's a real opportunity to take this to scale, um, not only domestically, but globally. And I think, again, if you kind of look at the construct and what we're operating under, because it's a completely controlled environment and it's powered by the Bowery operating system, we can open up a farm anywhere. We are geographically agnostic. We are seasonally agnostic. And you open up that farm, you plug it into the operating system, and it is smart as every farm, if not smarter than every farm that's come before it, because it's learned from all the data that we've gathered, gathered from the previous growth cycles of other farms. Yeah. So how many farms do you guys have now? We have three commercial farms right now. So uh, Kearney, New Jersey, Baltimore, Maryland, or Nottingham, just outside of Baltimore, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And then in 2023, we are expanding southward. And we will be in Atlanta, Georgia, Locust Grove, Atlanta, and Arlington, Texas. And then we have two R&D facilities in Kearney, New Jersey. So right now we have commercialized lettuces and herbs. And we are very focused in addition to farm expansion on product innovation with an eye toward fruiting crops. And so this last year, we would have uh, had a limited release of strawberries as well. And we're very excited about strawberries and other fruiting crops. That's exciting. That's exciting. So I, I got to ask this question, and it's it's one that comes up all the time inside the sewing circle of CA Ag, and not necessarily inside the sewing circle, but those who are throwing stones inside the circle might be a better way of saying it. I, you know, people literally are throwing stones at glass houses at this point, right, when it comes to the greenhouse and the CA space. So I put them together because really it's, it's, it's kind of one and the same. They kind of, all, you know, everybody's got a different interpretation, but, you know, all, it's all controlled environment, same thing. So, you know, whether it's you're using too much energy, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's really the biggest thing that everybody harps on. Too much energy. You're not doing anything for the soil. You know, all these other arguments. And I, I find it to be interesting that those that are throwing those stones are saying, wow, you're using too much energy. Well, yeah, but there's no water where you're farming. So, I mean, how, much, how many stones can you throw back and forth? I mean, it's kind of silly. How do we embrace and move forward for food security and food insecurity issues, kids? Let's remember, let's go back to what we just talked about. So talk to the me clock. a little bit about, yeah, exactly. Talk to me a little bit about that because you're living it, right? You, you're dealing with it. Talk a little bit about that throwing of stones, but again, really about the attributes that, you know, you're doing the things about climate change that you're working towards and water use and stuff. So tell me how you feel about all that. I don't even know if I asked you a question. I think I just kind of mouth vomited, but nonetheless, I think you got the gist of it. Absolutely. And I think we have always had a very holistic view and comprehensive view of sustainability at Bowery. And we have always kind of dimensioned sustainability in terms of economic sustainability. We think that's a huge component, right? Uh, environmental sustainability, and then the, the societal pieces of sustainability. 
And if we look at it through that lens, there is a lot of good in what we're doing in terms of Bowery and indoor vertical farming. And I think one of the biggest um, value propositions we have or attributes is how much food we are able to grow with as few resources as possible. So whether that's land usage, whether um, that's water, whether that's the nutrients that we use um, and the produce is pesticide free and that's another dimension to it, but we are growing a lot with a little amount. Again, if I keep going back to the challenge we have, it's how do we grow more food, more healthful food for more people with fewer resources. And we feel like we are cracking the code on that and the system we're creating. Um, I think one of the biggest gets we have is uh, actually on the land piece. We talk a lot about the water piece, but we are able to take non-arable land, land that was never going to have a vibrant green green um, farm on it, right? right? So if you take a look at our farm in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, we are actually, it's an economic redevelopment project we did with the state of the common, or with the Commonwealth state. And it was never going to be a farm. It was a brownfield site. It has historically been tied to steel manufacturing there. And we were able to take this land and through a completely controlled environment, turned it into an incredibly vibrant, abundant farm that will now be able to feed the tri-state area. So I think that's just an example on the land use piece. Um, and it also means that then we don't have to use land elsewhere, which can be a carbon sink. And so I think there, again, there's this holistic view of how we're thinking about sustainability. Definitely want to speak to the energy piece because it is true, right? When you kind of take a step back, when you're looking at HVAC, which is the system you use to moder- um, moderate the temperature control right. in the farm, and you we do use LED lighting, there is energy consumption in that. And so... Again, kind of the two core strategies that we have at Bowery are are potentially three. One, we are absolutely committed to renewable energies in that marketplace. So all of our commercial farms and R&D farms uh, use renewable energy. We are doing nothing but getting more efficient with the resources we have and as we scale. Scale is a critically important piece for us to sustainability. So the LED lighting that went into the Bethlehem farm would have been 15% more efficient than the LED lighting uh, that we have in Baltimore, Maryland. That's true for the HVAC system as well. So the system is getting more sophisticated. Each part of the system is getting more efficient. That will bring our greenhouse emissions down or our carbon footprint down. Um, And then I think the third piece on this is uh, the design component, right? And again, we are getting smarter and smarter with each rep and iteration of the farm on how do we make it most efficient uh, in terms of reducing our footprint. I love, I, I love this. And I love what you just said about we're getting smarter and smarter. And I think that that's something that people need to recognize about this space as a whole, that it is not necessarily, in my opinion, what it is you're doing today is what you're doing today that's going to benefit this planet in five years, five months, five minutes, that I think we need to recognize. And I think that we need to as consumers that can vote with our pocketbook, need to take a little look again, but I said very early on as we were speaking, we, we, we've made food too simple and we don't know enough about it. And we should, because it's the one thing that connects everybody on this planet and it, it can kill you just as much as it can feed and nourish you. And I think it's incredibly, incredibly important that we recognize the value that this space is providing um, 
and, and what it could be. And I know that there's a lot of talk about the investment money and all these other things. That, you know, you can all get caught up in any direction you want to go with that. But the bottom line issue is, is that you guys are, the, you know, you're Lewis and Clark out there right now. You're blazing the trail that nobody's done. Nobody's done what nobody's done what you have done before on this planet, at least by our records. I mean, who knows what it could have? Who knows? You know, who knows way back when you, you listen to Elon, and the other guys enough, you know, who knows? But nonetheless, you're blazing that trail, right? And, and bottom line, greenhouses, warehouse farming, whatever you all want to call it, right, is changing and benefiting the world. And I think it's really incredibly important that we stop, pause, duck, roll, whatever you want to call it, and recognize that and say, hey, how can I, as a shopper, as a consumer, to every one of the points you just made, water, land, everything else, all of it, reclaiming ground is garbage, you can't do anything with. How do we as consumers go, huh, that is valuable, Mr. Retailer, whomever it is, how do we get down the, you know, how do we do that, right? How do we, how do we help move the ball down the field for the future to, and, and again, back to what I said earlier, food security, insecurity. I think it's powerful. Yeah. And I so appreciate what you just called out, Todd, that we're so early on in this industry's life cycle, right? And I, like I mentioned, I've been at Maori for three and a half years. If I look at our farm, our very first prototype farm in Kearney versus the farm in Bethlehem, the, the leapfrogging that we have done from a design, technology, um, efficiency perspective is astounding to me. And I look at Bethlehem and I understand that it's so technologically advanced, but I bet you it's still the IBM A-frame stage that we're at, right? When I look five, 10 years out, we will actually have the iPhone version of the Bowery farm. And it will be that much more efficient, that much more productive, that much more sustainable. And so I think that the potential is limitless. And I think that's what we're really, really excited about. And I think the other powerful thing in this is you just talked about some big concepts that consumers should care about. And I think they do. And more and more, they're closing that gap between what they say they value and how they're purchasing. And it's amazing product, right? There is no trade-off here between doing the right thing and having great food. This is incredibly fresh, incredibly vibrant, um, clean product. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And I think, again, we, I think we've got to lean into this opportunity. So here, I'm going to put you on the spot. You ready? Here it comes, Katie. I'm dropping, I'm dropping the hammer. I'm going to put you on the spot. Wave your magic wand right now, you know, because you, there are hurdles. There's retail hurdles. There's consumer hurdles. I mean, we just touched on it. We, and, and so what magic wand time, perfect retail scenario. What, 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 what does the industry, what does CE, what, what a retailer, what do folks need to recognize at this point from your angle? Yes. I think we have an incredible opportunity to partner with retailers. And when I say we Bowery, of course, but the collective industry to accelerate the growth of controlled environment agriculture. And there's a lot of conversations right now on what do we call it? Right. Um, but for the sake of for the sake of this discussion, we'll call it CA. Yeah. But what I do think we need to realize and work with the retailers on, and we need the retailers to buy into this, is this is a new category of produce. And it should hold together from a customer or consumer journey perspective as a new category. And it can live alongside organic, it can live alongside local or traditional or whatever the other strategies are for the retailer. But this truly is a new category that we're defining. And I, I am betting that this category and it's a commitment we have at Bowery is going to go beyond lettuce, right? So if you take a step back, you look at produce overall, mm -hmm. there is a new category emerging that has a very specific value proposition 
that can live alongside the organic category uh, in your merchandising strategy. And we really need retailers' help in telling that story to consumers, defining it as a category, uh, and helping unlock and accelerate growth. I think there's other, there's big ways, there's small and big ways to also help the acceleration and the growth. If you hear retailers on the fresh side talk today, they're very versed. In, they're very well versed in ESG. You know that is very topical, top of mind, and how that flows through when you talk about fresh is commitment to organic, commitment to local, commitment to regenerative. All of that is fantastic. And what I would love to hear is a commitment to controlled environment agriculture because of the conservation components, what it offers. So I think it is in one part, how they manage, think about merchandising, growing the business and the category, but it is also this component of helping to tell the story with the different platforms uh, and different levers that they have. Thanks for joining the Toddversation. And now a word from our sponsor. At Produce Careers, we are in the people business. Thanks for listening to Toddversations. As your trusted executive search firm for the fresh produce, food processing, and agribusiness industries, we focus on outcomes. With over 80 years of combined industry expertise, with our global networks, we have the tools and the skills to identify top talent for your organization's strategic hiring needs. Our relationship-driven approach and proven recruitment process deliver the right candidates at the right time. At Produce Careers, we know each hire is an investment. Whether you're looking for the perfect candidate or searching for your next challenge, Call or email us today and let us partner with you. Yeah, well, I 100% agree. And, and I look at it as if a, a retailer sells 10 different varieties of apples, red, gold, Pippin, Honeycrisp. I'm going to stop there because if I keep going, I, I may blow and say it's like an apricot variety and somebody will write me a nasty email again. But the point being is that agriculture growing methods are exactly like that. To the point, you've got organic, you're going to have regenerative coming, you've got local coming, you've got, you know, greenhouse, CEA, uh, aquaponics, What uh, go down the whole laundry list, whatever. I mean, uh, but all those things need, I, I think they can't be just lumped together as farming any longer because I don't think we're putting, again, the value back on the importance of the food. We have an opportunity to teach consumers that they can make a difference, change the planet, by buying a lettuce or buying a strawberry or buying a tomato or buying whatever. And I think we, I think we owe it to ourselves as a global community and ends in this country to start elevating that game. If we're taking the time to separate out the apples, let's figure out how we're going to separate out and help educate people and see where this takes us because there's no water here. I mean, it's, it's raining in California and you would think they just elected a Pope. Everybody's so excited right now. Right. But what if it stops? What if Mother Nature says, you know what? We're going to tilt a little bit this way and we're going to go a little this way and this volcano is going to do this. It ain't going to rain here anymore for the next 25 years. Sorry, you don't like it, but that's what I decided. We don't get to make that change. We don't get to create rain. People are trying. But so I think it's really important that we that we back up a little bit and get to that concept of all the different apples and look at farming the exact same way and let consumers know what's happening so they could be a part of this journey to make a difference in this planet. I, I, really I think it's very it. well said. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I just think I just think it's so important that we that we get to that point and we start to have these conversations, which is why I love the space so much because I love the doors you're kicking in 
you know, I love to see the successes and yes, there's going to be people that are going to bump their heads. It's not going to work out for them. That's life. That's the way business works. But again, what is it that you're doing today that's going to be make a difference in five years that that's the part that excites me so much. And I just hope that to your, your point and what we've talked about that we get and embrace that as a, as a food community, the retail community and say, you know, that's a really good point. There are multiple methods because look, regenerative isn't going to go away. Organic's not going anywhere. I think intent is a very big word when people go shopping. And I think that they all have good intentions. You get out of the, you know, the car feeling good. Let's make it happen for people. Let's generate that. So I commend you for your words. And I, I'm totally supportive of that direction. I think it's incredibly important. I really, really do. And I think the other important point you're surfacing, Todd, is I think even if I look back five years ago, so much of the world has changed in five years, but some of these things we were talking about around climate change and some of these other big issues felt very abstract, right? People didn't know or understand how they were getting impacted individually by that. And I think that actually is one of the things that has to happen to change consumer behavior. I think where we are today, people are actually starting to experience firsthand some of these concepts, right? Whether that's weather events, climate change, empty shelves on the store. And so that there is an accelerant going on right now because of what's happening globally. And then I think the other dynamic happening here is Gen Z and their value sets and their Mm -hmm. rising purchasing power. Again, I was at a conference last summer where retailers were starting to contemplate Gen Z. Like, how do we think about them? How do we engage with them? Because not only is their increasing purchasing power and their values based and you know, they're going to start talking with their wallets as well. But their influence on older generations is also profound. So they have an amplifying effect, I think, most definitely uh, on some of the value components that we're talking about is that should be influencing purchasing decisions from a consumer perspective, and then how retailers are thinking about growing their businesses as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. You talked about being mission-driven in the beginning. And, you know, one of the things that's important to us on this platform and when I invite guests on is that I invite people on because I, A, want them to come on and they have something that's a bit of curiosity to me, but I'm also really into their mission and their value, you know, and and their values and what that means and why that's important. Because I I just think that, that businesses that are doing it right, that have those things aligned, are ones that need to be lifted up and elevated and pointed out to folks. And then hence the reason why we're hanging out here together. So I want to talk a little bit about the four values that you guys throw out. And if you wouldn't mind, just, I know we're kind of going back and we're talking in the future, but it dawned on me to get to this point. And four of them are opt-in, think wildly different, break barriers together, and be kind to the core. I love the fourth one because I think it's left off of so many. You know, it's all about outward energy, not inward energy sometimes. And I think the inward energy is far more important in a lot of ways than the outwards. So share with me a little bit about those values mean to you, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, and I think it comes back to a lot of what attracted me to Bowery in the first place, right? Is I actually think the mission was very clear on the outside when I was interviewing for Bowery, and there was no daylight between that mission on the outside and how the company was activating that mission through the culture and values of the organization. And again, I think having the integration there between mission and values and culture and the brands that you're building 
all works together. And that's how generational brands and successful companies are built. What I find, and, and you hit on this, what I find truly inspiring about Bowery is not just the audacity of the mission and that's kind of captured of opt in together, think wildly different, break barriers together, but it is the kind to the core. And it, it creates this environment of at Bowery where first of all, we draw incredible talent, incredibly diverse talent and no kind of ego at Bowery is bigger than the overall mission and team of the company. And it just creates a really fantastic environment to do really hard work in. Right. And, and to, to, to celebrate the good days and pad the the harder days. And uh, it's just been a really important component. I think that's been able to sustain this really young company. We were, we had a very strong point of view early on in the company's journey on who we were, what we were about, and what our values were. And I think that has absolutely been able to sustain us through the global pandemic, through the ups and downs of growing a business and, and working on doing something that's never been done before. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's, it, it's important for me to bring that those topics up to people, but it's also more important for me to hear your response because not only are you sharing with me and the audience and retailers, whoever, but your staff's listening too. And you're wearing that on your shirt sleeve. And I think it's, it's, it speaks volumes. It shows character. It shows class. And when you stand behind it as easily as you just came back with that response because you're living it every day and breathing it and believing it, it's powerful. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Got to ask you though, got to, got to shift gears. I got, I got to ask you about the CA Alliance because I know you're involved with that. If you wouldn't mind, just tell everybody what that is and what that's about. And uh, maybe people can get involved as well because it's, it's a get involved opportunity. It is a great involved opportunity. It's another club. It's another club to get involved. Have, no handshake though. No handshake. All, all are welcome. No, the, the CEA Alliance is a trade association that is really developing in support and service to controlled environment, agriculture, the growers, and the, the ecosystem that supports CEA now and will help us accelerate its growth into the future. And I'm really excited about the potential of the Alliance. It's, it started early on as a coalition that was really focused on food safety uh, as it related controlled environment agriculture, because our food safety in a controlled uh, growing environment is very different. Kind of the standards and what we can do is very different than what you'd find in traditional agriculture. So it, it, it came from that starting point. But as the industry starting to grow and mature and accelerate, we felt there was a real need to broaden the aperture of the mission and what level of support we needed to provide the industry. And so food safety will continue to be a component of that and build capacity around that. But we think there is a real opportunity to create some standard of identity of what the industry is. How do we want to think about reporting out on it? How do we think we how do we think about gaining support across multiple stakeholder groups through public policy um, raising awareness through media, bringing retailers into the trade association to get their point of view on how we can build the industry together. So it's an exciting time at the Alliance. We're on a next chapter of defining what that looks like uh, with the broader mission and would encourage any listeners out there who are involved in the controlled environment agriculture space to, to reach out to the Alliance um, and explore how you might be able to get involved and support our efforts. 
No doubt. And they have the great and powerful Tom Stenzel behind the wheel now, which is, uh, which is for those that know, you know, and for those that don't, oh my, once you do, you'll go, holy crap, he's a, he's a player. He's an he amazing a individual. tremendous asset and um, just a great, just a great person. He's, he's a force a and a dude. great person. Yeah, he really yeah. is. So let's, as we wrap up our time a little bit, what's new and exciting for Bowery? I know, the, you know, you guys aren't sitting still, that's for sure. You talked about some new stuff coming on, some new farms coming, but what's new and exciting coming up for the rest of this year for 2023? Yeah. It's, it's all about growth and expansion. And when I say growth, it's growing with our current customer base and expanding our customer base, expanding geographies. We are very excited to get into a different region in the U.S. We love our, our mid-Atlantic, northeast, tri-state routes. But I think going into the south and then we will fast follow with greater expansion beyond that in the U.S. And then super excited about the product innovation component, the continued focus on fruiting crops. And we are continuing to hire at Bowery and, and just looking for great talent. So, again, I think this is an extraordinarily exciting industry to be a part of right now, ag tech, food tech. And so, again, would welcome any curious listeners out there to explore opportunities in this space. And I'm excited for the Alliance. I think we have a real opportunity um, to come together as an industry and really set some foundation of who we are, what we stand for, uh, and what we're going to go attack in the future. 100%. You know, you're, you're, you're building and it's that first rung of the ladder. We build it strong. We can take anything going up, a little wobble here, or misstep, whatever. But that base has got to be strong and it's time for the industry to come together because we need to help the retailers. We need to help the consumers. We need to help this planet. We need to think about all these things that we're not talking about. And we'll all go back to what I keep harping on, food insecurity and food security. They need to be at the forefront of these conversations. And so I think it's incredibly important. I love it. Congratulations. Todd, thank you. And I so appreciated the chance to come on your podcast and have a conversation with someone who so deeply cares about the issues and sees the opportunity. It was very fun. Thank you for being here. It was an absolute pleasure. And you're welcome back anytime, you know, and uh, I'll see you soon. I'm taking a tour. That's for sure. I'm coming back for a tour. Okay. All right. I'd and love the it. handshake and the t-shirt. Well, yeah, we got to work on the handshake. The t well, we'll have t-shirts by then. That's easy. But the handshake will get down. I love it. Right. Everybody, thanks so much for listening and being a part of this. Go check out Bowery, see what they're about. Let's get these conversations rolling. Let's ask these hard questions. Let's change making food so simple and get involved in this because this is how we're going to change the planet. We're going to change the climate. We're going to do a lot of things, change your health. All kinds of trajectories change when we pay attention to our food. So go do it. It's a good message to lean into for 2023. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Remember, go check us out on social media, TLC underscore Todd Versations. Like I told you, why am I there? Because the Kardashians are the only reason. That's it. Besides that, I'm out. Anyways, take care of everybody. We appreciate you. Go inspire somebody today. It's really important. Take care. Bye-bye.